Hello and welcome to Army of Crime. Uh, we today we are looking at the animated movie Chicken Run and Spawn of Mars and other stories, which is an EC Comics collection highlighting the artist Wally Wood. That is accurate, Matt. Do you like either chickens or running? I do enjoy chickens and running. And I enjoy them together in a movie called Chicken Run. Oh, cool. Um, do you do you want to talk about the motion picture uh, Chicken Run first? Sure. So Chicken Run is a claymation animated movie that is, by way of introduction, made by some of the co-creators of Wallace and Gromit. And it features, as a premise, chickens trying to escape from a egg farm, which is being converted to a poultry farm, which is ominous. And the whole thing is set up as if they are escaping from a POW camp. And it features Mel Gibson as the American chicken. Uh, it is all British. Otherwise, all the characters are British. It is a... Well, what did you think of Chicken Run? That's the introduction. Yeah, you know, I did enjoy Chicken Run. I think the you mentioned that it's by these team. I think it's um, Nick Park and Peter Lord. Yeah, are the, are the uh, Wallace and Gromit uh, creators. So it has that wonderful stop motion animation style, which is uh, really wonderful to look at, and especially when it gets into like like there's a part where they are inside this like poultry kind of machine that's like a lot of fun like just the visuals of it i think are um really endearing in a kind of like old-fashioned way that you can only really get from this kind of like stop motion style animation you know other than that you know i it, it's a fun little film i think i apparently must lack the gene that some people have that allows me to enjoy children's movies on the same level as adults movies, because, you know, it's fun and charming and delightful, but overall, you know, it's like, you, you know, everything that's going to happen the story, you know, hits all the very predictable beats and, you know, it's, it's not amazing. I have never been, someone who will like go nuts over like a new Pixar movie or stuff like that. And I've seen a lot of really rave reviews for this film. And I guess I'm not, to me, it, it does not reach those levels. I think it's, it's, uh, it's fun, but it's, it's uh, not going to change your life. I thought it was, I mean, it, it is a fun movie. Um, like you said, the animation is really cool. The sort of claymation that is kind of a lost art form in our fancy newfangled CGI universe. It did get some chuckles out of me at some of the jokes. And towards the end, I don't want to give away the storyline. You mentioned the poultry machine. There's another thing that happens towards the end that almost veers into like a steampunk setting. And I like that a lot. Yeah, that was I fun. thought it was a good movie. It's worth watching. Uh, it's it did get some laughs out of me. The animation is nice. 
I actually like the aesthetic where they're like escaping from a POW camp. I did not realize that going in. I, so I haven't seen this before. I didn't realize going in that it was like a whole POW camp because it really is set up as they're like prisoners. And there's the chain link fence around the barbed wire fence. I mean, and they're like tunneling under the walls and like making little contraptions. And then every time she gets caught, she gets thrown in the coal bin. Yeah, my um, original interest in the movie Chicken Run was because I had heard somewhere someone mentioning it as a great, like, sort of like a stealthily anti-capitalist film, which I could see if you were to read, you know, the chickens as like the exploited workers that they kind of are in the sense of, you know, but, and, and there's definitely some like parallels that you could read, you know, as the chickens as like the exploited proletariat if you wanted to but as you said the the actual thing that they're definitely going for is definitely the idea of like them being like pow's in a like a prisoner of war camp that are constantly trying to escape right i actually really didn't even think of that while watching it i think like many animated movies there's a weird thing with animated movies so i have a two-year-old son now so now i've seen a fair number of not even all of them, but like parts of animated movies. And they're always very sympathetic to animals, right? So it's like the animals are the victims and they're trying to escape. So I think there's definitely an angle, you know, you feel bad for the chickens. We don't normally feel bad for chickens. Chickens are, in fact, not very intelligent animals, or so science tells us. And Werner Herzog. Right. But it's interesting to feel bad for the chickens. We don't normally feel bad for chickens. I guess they produce eggs endlessly and we eat them. And at the end, the chickens go to, I mean, their goal is to get to like the chicken utopia where they can just hang out and chill all day. Yeah. And I don't know how much we want to read into that. Like I said, the aesthetic is like they're POWs and they're escaping from a prison camp. I don't know how much we want to read into that. It is fun. I suppose if you were a vegetarian, you could show someone chicken run and see, see, look, it feel bad for these cute little chickens. I feel like the clay chickens are cuter than real chickens are. They do not have the beady soulless eyes that Warner Herzog would point out to us? The clay chickens are cute. That's true. Yeah. And I did think there was an interesting point where I can't remember the exact line, but the main chicken talks about how, you know, the captivity is not only a physical space, but it's also the captivity in your mind. The real fences like under- are in your mind. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a great line. And yeah, it is... You could also definitely read it as stealthy pro-vegetarian propaganda if you wanted to. I also like the rat characters. There's the two rats who are like greasy criminals. Oh, yeah. They they sneak around. They're like little gangsters. Yeah, they have like thick like uh, Cockney accents. Yeah, the rats were good. I did. Yeah, I did get a couple um, laughs as well from it, though. You know, like I said, the, the story is... And I feel like this is probably very common to children's films in terms of like the plot hitting like all the predictable beats that you would expect. Right. They're going to they have a plan. They're going to achieve something. You have to believe in yourself. There's a big setback. Everyone feels sad. And then they redouble their effort. Yeah. So did watching the movie Chicken Run want to make you become a vegetarian? It actually did not, I guess. So perhaps it failed. Perhaps I am also dead on the inside. The chickens are adorable in the movie. Yeah, they did a good job of differentiating all of the uh, all of the chickens. I keep thinking of the hound in Game of Thrones. 
when he asks for a chicken. That's that would be it. a very unfortunate crossover. It would. Game of Thrones and Chicken Run. So how would you... You said that you have been seeing bits and pieces of animated films as of late. So how do you... Since I um, said I do not watch many, like a lot of, like animated children's films because I am dead inside. How would you stack this up in comparison to other ones? Because, you know, the reviews for this, like if you go on Letterboxd or IMDb are all very high, like it's very well regarded. And the box office was very high. Yeah. It made a lot of money. So it's a very popular movie. Yeah. So how would you compare this to other you know, do you th- things that you've seen, then would you do you feel like this is a standout in this kind yeah, of genre? I think it's good. I think it creates a good atmosphere, right? You've got the whole environment, like the little prison camp and the little chicken characters and they have adorable little adventures. And you got the little rat people who are like little gangsters. I thought it was good. Yes, I think it compares favorably to animated movies. I think it's a I think it's a fun movie. It got some laughs. The visual design is probably the strongest element. I don't think anyone would really disagree with that. Yeah, I think it's a good movie. I would watch it. You did watch it. I did watch it, and I don't regret watching it. Okay, well, it sounds like we're both um, at least fairly positive on the motion picture uh, Chicken Run. With the, and I, I could be wrong, but I think they might be doing a sequel. I saw that online, although this movie came out 19 years ago, so I'm not sure what the rush is to make a sequel all of a sudden, but I guess that's the way things go now. By the time you're listening to this, and we're all living in the underground cities, or maybe a Chicken Run 2 or a Chicken Run 3. Who knows? You got to squeeze every profitable cent out of those pieces of intellectual property. The question is, are they bringing back the original creators for the sequel? Because I'm sure the studio owns the property, and I'm sure they're under no legal obligation to do so, I would think, because it's released by DreamWorks. But I wonder if it was produced by, like, Ardman Animations. Um, so maybe they own part of the rights, too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that'd be an interesting question. Because if you were to say, I'm, we're making a Chicken Run 2, and it's not by the same people, I would have no interest in it. Or especially yeah. if, it was all, if it was all CG. I mean, if you have it be CG without the, the claymation, I, don't, I feel like you lose something huge. Yeah, the, um, the, clayma- the clay characters have... A lot of personality, I feel, in comparison to some other, like, animated characters. And they look tactile. I mean, you can tell that they're made out of clay by looking yeah. at them. Yeah. So the next thing we were looking at today, and again, these are two really random things. Sometimes they end up not being quite so random. There's some kind of tangent tangent uh, between them. In this case, they are pretty random. So Chicken Run, we're also looking at Spawn of Mars and other stories, which is a collection of EC comics. So Fantagraphics puts out these hardcovers that are collections of old EC comics. For those not in the know, EC was a company that had a run for a not even 10 years, um, the late 40s to about halfway through the 50s of putting out comic books spanning uh, war, horror, science fiction, and dealing with a lot of issues like environmentalism, uh, racism, anti-war, 
anti-nuclear weapons, that sort of thing. And they got kind of quashed by the Comics Code Authority. They put out Tales from the Crypt, for example. So there's a lot of unrated, uh, let's call it lurid content in some of their horror titles that kind of got the attention of censors. And basically the Comics Code Authority, the whole seduction of the innocent Frederick Wortham movement ended up crushing the company. But for a stretch there, pretty tremendous genre fiction and a lot of top shelf talent. Yeah, the EC Comics line was written largely by uh, editor Al Feldstein. Um, not exclusively, but he wrote a large number of the uh, stories. Along with, like, when you flip through this book, the there's also often given a story credit to William M. Gaines, who was the owner of, so the owner of EC Comics. So they would like come up with stories, and then the uh, so the real talent that makes I think this comics line really looking into was the uh, quality of the artists that they had, um, like Al Williamson and Wallace Wood, who we're gonna look at today and John Severin and then uh and and then like Harvey Kurtzman who would go on to found mad work there and Graham Ingalls and Joe Orlando and there so Alex Toth drew some EC stories uh Frank Frazetta worked <laughs> yeah. for EC best known for probably the fantasy covers like the Conan Barbarian covers that kind of thing and you mentioned Matt. I believe Matt is their only comic that survived the censorship regime. Just the straight humor. Yeah, Matt was something that survived and then ended up getting sold to another company. But yeah, they had like a pretty ridiculously talented lineup of artists that uh, worked for them. And then so the volume that we're looking at is called Spawn of Mars and other stories and the illustrator is wallace wood who did uh some like crime comics and like thriller type stories for them but the one the volume that we're looking at is a collection of science fiction stories that he drew and they're kind of like um he has this very like kind of like detailed very like inky um with like deep black shadows kind of style and his science fiction comics are very kind of well known and I think rightfully so for the sort of uh, detail that he puts into like these like spaceship interiors and like spaceman suits and stuff like that. So this book, Spawn of Mars and Other Stories, most of the comics um, are written, like I said, by Al Feldstein and then they're, they're illustrated by Wally Wood. And a lot of them detail, you know, like uh, space flights and like uh, like people charting through uh, different, you know, exploring different reaches of space. But they all have these like beautiful opening splash pages, which have these like astronauts like in a spaceship or on an alien planet that are just like all like just stunning to look at. Matt, what did you think of uh, Spawn of Mars? Yeah, so the art is tremendous. This is not a controversial opinion, obviously, but so like the faces of the characters, for example, 
the details, the designs on the spacesuit. This is a style that, according to the internet, is now anachronistically called, I believe, Raygun Gothic, which is the bubble space helmet. You know, we're traveling through space and we're landing on planets and um, we're kind of walking around. It's sort of a light science fiction, right? And so you've got these great faces. You've got the great designs on the rockets, the spacesuits, sort of that technical detail. There are splash pages of workrooms, laboratories where there's pipes running in the background. He does a lot of great monsters. There's a lot of slime tentacle sort of non-human monsters. He does a great design on those. He is known for drawing delightful, sexy ladies, let's say. There's the beautiful women, uh, which is a odd mixture with the science fiction, but it works. It's that sort of, it's very specific sort of milieu, the, um, you know, the ray gun gothic, I think is what they call it now. So the art is great. The stories are kind of very little. Um, as you mentioned, most of them are written by the same person. Um, there's a very Twilight Zone approach where you start with something and then it usually flips it at the end. I did have some favorites when I was reading it. Yeah, and I should say... Um... And I will, would love to hear which ones that stuck out for you. But the problem with the writing and with Al Feldstein and with a lot of EC comics is that these stories are often uh, very overwritten. They can unfortunately become uh, extremely wordy. And that's kind of Al Feldstein's fault because he is the credited scripter on many of these. And like sometimes you'll even have panels where it's like, it'll just be all words and you can like see someone's like mouth at the bottom or something. So yeah. Or the panel is like half words and there's someone like at the bottom doing something and the words are just explaining what they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, we'll get that out of the way that even though this um, overall, this, these are like a great read, the sometimes you can kind of run into a wall where there's just like, you know, too many words. Yeah, right. And but, yes. sometimes you can see the twist coming. Not always. There are times where the twist got me, where I was like, ah, they got me. And then there are times where the twist is like really obvious, the Twilight Zone twist at the end. Yeah, I mean, once you kind of get into like reading a bunch of these, you can kind of expect, you know, you kind of know that there's like a twist coming and then you can sort of start to like suss out what it might be. Um, yeah, so unfortunately they do sometimes uh, fall into being sort of uh, overwritten. But um, which ones did you, Which what were some of the stories that you liked in here? The four I picked out as being my favorites, and I'll look a little bit at each one, is The Invaders, Spawn of Mars, Conquerors of the Moon, and, and I'm not even sure how you pronounce this, a gobel is a Nog's best friend. So The Invaders, and I am going to give away the twist because I'm not even sure how else to talk about it, but it sets up kind of similar to the other ones where you have, they've got the spaceships and they're like evacuators. They get to a planet and they're like, oh, this looks like a nice planet. And we see the Earth coming into view, right? And they're actually, they have, they're humans on some other planet and they have journeyed to our planet to find a new home. And then like fighter planes come up and shoot them down. And then humanity is thrown under the bus at the end like they just wanted a peaceful home and we destroyed them and we assumed they were up to no good or they were attacking us yeah these stories all generally take a very uh, dim view of the human race fawn of mars is the title story it's also the only one i think that had a woman as the main character yeah where they're exploring mars um 
And the the twist there, of course, is that there is a like shapeshifter who replaces one of the crew members. I thought that one had really tremendous art. That was the one where I was really reading it. And there's just a lot of great images. Conqueror of the Moon has an interesting message. It's like the most strongly anti-corporate. They started a mining on the moon and they're trying to like suck the atmosphere from the Earth to the moon because it's cheaper, I guess, than creating an artificial atmosphere on the moon. If this were to come out today, I would assume it was about global warming. Uh, of course, it's simply just an environmental message. But I thought that was a really strong one. And again, you see this sort of like rugged mining of the moon. It's an interesting mixture of like a frontier, but we're in space and we have the bubble helmets and the whole thing. And then the last one is the Gobel is a Gobel is a Kanog's best friend, which has one of those twists that you do kind of see coming. Yeah, but the art on that one is really good, too, where they go to the alien planet. This opening splash page of that was probably my favorite opening splash page. Yeah, it has the the spaceman on a planet and there's like this tree next to him and a little dog and it's wonderfully detailed. And then it also like it's interesting that you mentioned the uh, what was it? The ray gun gothic or. Yeah. Um, because what the internet tells me this art style is called it is of course an anachronistic designation but i um had not heard that term before but it makes sense because so many of these images are so beautifully like shadowed you know like even though it's it's like you have these like highly detailed like gee whiz science fiction ideas that are then like sort of cloaked in shadow to give them sort of like an ominous feel right there's almost like a noir aesthetic to a science fiction setting, which I think EC is known for. Yeah, and that one has um, a lot of uh, some like cool like creatures, because it's about they go to this like alien planet, and they isn't that the one where they like adopt these little like creatures as their buddies, or is that a different one? Uh, are you thinking of the one where they adopt the little lizard, the little lizard creatures that spawn? Oh, yeah, and then they, like, eat them. Yeah. So this is the one where there's, like, the little humans. They look like little little dwarfs or something, and they send the dwarfs back to their planet at the end because the people who run that planet assume that the humans are pets and that they're, like, trading animals or that they're, like, trading pets. Oh, so they right. keep the humans as pets, and they send some of their pets, which are, again, sentient beings who look like little humans kind of back to Earth. Yeah, that's right. So it's like the aliens treat the human beings as like cute little pets for them to, to keep or keep around for amusement. Right. Yeah, I liked uh, that one as well. Um, some of my favorites were um, I liked Gray Cloud of Death, which, again, has a great opening splash page of the extremely detailed spaceship interior that's all like shadowy and cool looking. And right. it's about a, a spaceship that is traveling to Venus to, and then they encounter an earlier spaceship that went to Venus. And then what ends up happening is there's a, like this gray, there's like this cloud floating through space that they discover is some sort of like sentient, like monster that's like eating and like destroying spaceships and like right. destroying the crew. Um, and I thought that kind of like got at a sort of creepy science fiction premise that was sort of, you know, rather than just like a big slimy alien, it was something that felt like very alien in the, you know, strict sense of the word of like a, a sentient, like sort of gas cloud that was like 
chewing through i think it was like uh absorbing or like melting down like human like humans and like uh, yeah there's a great there's a great horror movie vibe to that one and it is an alien entity that you you can't speak with it you can't reason with it it's not something you can try and translate for it's just a creature yeah and like i think it destroys like organic material or something but yeah there's like a guy who has to like hide you know in a in a part of the ship to like avoid this cloud from like uh consuming him um so that one was really cool another one that i liked was not it was one of the ones that was actually not about a spaceship which i should say is kind of funny because so many of these stories will start with people on a spaceship and then at the beginning they'll clue you in on like what the you know they're all like variations on why are we in space and some of them are like the earth has been destroyed by a nuclear war or we're venturing out because the earth won't stop like fighting each other or you know it's always kind of like interesting to see what the variation is on why we're in the spaceship like venturing out into the galaxy there's one story where they're like a, a colony in space and they're 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 not gonna like it's not till like the 50th generation where they'll like emerge from the spaceship right and there's another really good one that has another great opening splash page project survival which actually did get me a little bit at the end too with the twist and that's another one where they're trying to flee an earth that's like deteriorating and there's like an ultimate weapon being used and again they talk about all the things you would need to load into a spacecraft to take off so even though in many ways, the visual style is that sort of Adam Age, Golden Age sci-fi bubble helmets and so on. You know, they're talking about the kind of things that you would need to escape the Earth if it was going to be destroyed, which I thought is interesting. I mean, it's an interesting concept. We're talking about, OK, you're going into space, you're fleeing the destroyed Earth, and they have to talk about what to bring with. So I'm going to add that to my list. Project Survival is another great one that has one of the best opening splash pages. Because I believe that's one where the Earth does literally, like, get destroyed after they leave. Right. They're leaving right as it's happening, and they look down upon the Earth, and they watch it be destroyed. And it basically goes through a regenesis or, like, a metamorphosis. And then once it's livable again, they can come back down and start society over. Yeah, I was going to say, one of, one of the ones that I liked, which was not, uh, in, which did not involve space travel, was called The 10th at Noon which again has this great opening image where there's like these people like being melted by uh, an atomic explosion. And then there's like a clock that's showing noon and there's like this atom and you can see there's like a guy whose like body is like half melted off. Um, this is one that the uh, comics code authority probably did not approve of. The premise is, is that it starts at the beginning of like these like newspaper men are receiving word that the so-called Eastern Alliance, which obviously is meant to be like the Cold War, um, like the Eastern Bloc, the Soviets, have issued an ultimatum of when they're going to like uh, nuke the United States if something doesn't happen. Um, and then you have these two scientists who are working in a lab and they basically figure out how to send something into the future and then bring it back. So it's like kind of these two like parallel stories running and then they so the scientists are sending a um, they send a camera into the future and have it take a picture and then the camera comes back so they can see like what the you know what's happening like in the future. So at first they they just to test it they're like checking what the to see what like what the weather is going to be like. 
you know, and then at the 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 final sort of twist at the end is they develop the picture and then it's of a, a mushroom cloud destroying New York City. So it's sort of like um, that uh, kind of atomic age paranoia and fatalism that, you know, it's not really like a twist because, you know, in this, it's been established in the story that the Soviets are going to like unleash all their nuclear warheads on the United States. But then you have these two guys who are cooped up in a lab who don't realize that. And then this final great image of the mushroom cloud wrecking the city is uh, superb. Yeah. Another great one, actually, that does not have rockets in it either, reminded me of Blade Runner a little, the android. Yeah. Which is a, sci- a sci-fi story with no, there's no rockets, but we're on Earth, it's sci-fi. Um, and the idea being that you can replace people with, like, android versions. Yeah. Which, again, is a very strong, like, Twilight Zone feel, or maybe Outer Limits. Yeah, that was a good one, too. I mean, most of these stories are pretty um, enjoyable, I would say. Yeah, the, and the Android at, features, I was going to say the Android features a lot of great human figures, because, again, there's no monsters and there's no spaceships. It's just yeah. a lot of great human figures, um, and he does really great faces. That one, I was going to say, that one has some great, like, shadowy kind of, like, noir images of, like, right. people talking. Right. So, overall, I think that we're both um, pretty high on uh, Swan of Mars. Yeah, I mean, the art is tremendous. Like I said, the stories can kind of be a little bit of a little scattershot, but a lot of them have good little twists. Um, there's a lot of good messages in there. Obviously, we're using sci-fi to tell environmentalism, anti-war, all that kind of great stuff. EC, from what I've read, I'm not an EC scholar. I'm sure there are people who tell you all the minute details, but a lot of EC comics are great, and I really would try any of the collections. As you said, sometimes they are a little wordy. I think that's a convention of the time period because a lot of comics, the far I feel like the farther you go back to about the 1950s or 40s, they do get pretty wordy. Some of the twists are better than others. One that I thought the twist was actually lame involves literally just giant dice. And yeah, I was like, that, eh. That, that one felt kind of like they were like really stretching for an idea. Yeah, I mean, the art is still great. Yeah. There's nothing particularly that we haven't seen in the other ones with the spaceships and the you know detailed line work. So there's no problem with the art. It's nothing we haven't seen in some of the other stories. And then, yeah, there's literally just giant dice tumbling around. I was like, eh, I don't could could do without that. That was not one of the better twists. But no, I love the EC Comics. Um, Spawn of Mars, I would definitely recommend. Great art. A lot of solid stories. Um, one thing that that I really enjoyed about reading this and i guess this is probably pretty common to science fiction science fiction stories of this time period is how incredibly uh pessimistic they are about the human race which i guess is also fairly common for ec stories and that they usually would often have some kind of like social critique in them about like american society or american culture yeah. but but so many of the stories start out with like oh, the Earth has been destroyed because of X, and then the next one will be like, the Earth has been destroyed because of Y. Or you know, we have to flee. Yeah, so I, I kind of enjoyed that aspect of it, of sort of just, it's like, while while going through these stories, you get kind of like every possible exploration of how the human race might like commit suicide in the future. So right. that kind of like pessimism, I uh, I enjoyed. These are definitely still like, you know, like children's entertainment comics, sort of. 
not to like type hype them up too much. I mean, they were made for that kind of like market. Yeah, obviously, like a superhero comic or something. Yeah, um, I think I read I, somewhere that their target audience was like fourteen-year-olds instead of eight-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, that's that seems about right because I think you know the quality of the artist that they could hire and then sort of the eye towards like social critique like combined together i think make them a much more interesting read than many other like corporate american like comics that would have been being published at the same time yeah i i uh, thought that this was you know i own quite a few of these uh EC Comics volumes that Fantagraphics has put out, which might also be worth mentioning that they they published them in black and white and EC Comics were originally in color because they're kind of like focused on the uh, pencil work of the artist, which is definitely uh, something worth focusing on. But yeah, I, I think um, all of these, uh, all the volumes that I have, they all have a lot of like really great standout stories and a lot of like great art like the war comics you mentioned corpse on the imgen um they some of their war comics are you know pretty amazing like there's one volume that i have called bomb run that's drawn by um john severin which has a lot of fantastic stories in it as well i guess this is not like a startling hot take because ec comics generally have a pretty high reputation these days but i think that we are both in agreement that this volume and that the EC comics in general are very much worth reading. Yeah, it's something to check out if you're if you have not checked it out, if you have only heard of it in passing and never delved into it. They actually put out some previews too in Free Comic Day. They'll put out like EC comic samplers and stuff. So they are out there. Um, but if you've never gotten into it, it's definitely something to get into. My recommendation would just be, and I mentioned it before, A Corpse on the Imjin, which is about, the title story is about the Korean War, but it's just a collection of EC war comics. Another one that I've read that I remember liking a lot was Taint the Meat, Tis the Humanity, which is a tremendous title. Um, I'll go with Corpse on the Imjin as a recommendation. But yeah, I think if you've never gotten into EC, I mean, definitely get into it. You don't have to be scared by the the fact that it's, at this point, almost 70 years old. They do hold up. A lot of them hold up. Not always and not all the time, but there is a lot of enjoyment to get from it. Yeah, I've read Corpse on the Imgen, and that is um, great. Those are, I think, one of the rare volumes that I recall that are not uh, mostly written by Al Feldstein. I think many of the stories are written and drawn by Harvey Kurtzman, and and he definitely is uh, fantastic at, at both at writing and drawing, and he was the guy who went on to found mad as i think we mentioned um so those are a lot of like great stories i i um you know i guess while we're at it i will also recommend an ec comics uh book another set of science fiction stories that's called 50 girls 50 that is drawn by uh, al williamson who kind of became he's sort of known for extremely like fine detailed uh science fiction drawings he drew the star wars newspaper strip back in the early 80s and he's kind of known for drawing like flash gordon so these are finely detailed beautifully rendered science fiction stories 
And the main story is actually uh, has the same premise as the uh, movie Passengers, which came out a few years ago, which is about a long space journey where you have all these people who are then like in hibernation for like a long space flight. And then it's about this guy on the spaceship who is like excited at the uh, idea that he can like basically exploit and take advantage of all of these like women who have been frozen in stasis for him. Um, so it's kind of like taking that and sort of instead of rendering it as kind of like a romance, like really doing it as like the story of a creepy guy who's like playing the situation to his advantage in an extremely uh, bad way. So that is another EC Comics volume that's called 50 Girls 50. Thanks for listening. That's our show. If you find us interesting at all, you can definitely give us a rating. Uh, we would love to get a five five star rating on whatever app you use. Um, I use Podcast Republic, and I see there are subscribers on there. I see you out there. If you're listening to this, please give us a five star rating. If you want to jump into some EC comics, you can buy them off the link off our website, the collections, and that would be great, and we would tremendously appreciate it. Yeah, and we would, of course, also enjoy hearing from you if you are one or are a current EC Comics aficionado or if you jump into it based on our recommendations, we would enjoy hearing your thoughts on them, even if you even if those thoughts are also groaning about Al Feldstein and his tendency to use 500 words when five could do. Yes, so we are on the web at armyofcrime.com, and I am on Twitter at armyofcrime, and Dustin is on Twitter at Dustin44444. That's correct. It's my terrible uh, Twitter username. You can tell me it's terrible if you want to go on Twitter and just yell at me. That's fine, too. So until next time, we will be flying off into the galaxy on the army of crime rocket as we leave the nuclear war ravaged earth behind or and the global we... warming ravaged earth behind yes to find a new planet that also has a breathable atmosphere and we'll have an ironic alien species that will treat us in a way that teaches us a lesson exactly And isn't it pronounced aesthetic?